Bible turn to Job 10 tonight. Job chapter 10. Continuing on in Job's answer to Bildad, remember the shortest man in the Bible. I know, it's a lame joke. You know when a joke becomes a dad joke? When it's apparent. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> I'm a dad, it's okay. We're going to look at the second half of his answer to Bildad. And, and really, he, he's answering Bildad, but he says, I'm done talking to you. <laughs> we'll see that in a second. And he, and he says, if I were to talk to God, this is what I would ask, or this is what I would say to God. And we see Job's continuing complaint here. Um, and uh, just as we read through this, I'm going to make a few comments about Job. And uh, there's a couple things that, that stand out to me. In this passage, uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. It says, verse 1, My soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, Do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Is it good unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thy hands, and shine upon the counsel of the wicked? Hast thou eyes of flesh, or seest thou as man seest? Are thy days as the days of man? Are thy years as man's days? That thou inquirest after mine iniquity, and searcheth after my sin? Now, keep it in mind that he said, This is what I will say to God. This is what I'm going to say to the Lord. Thou knowest that I am not wicked, and there is none that can deliver out of thine hand. Thine hands have made me, and fashioned me together round about, yea, or yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, remember, I beseech thee that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into the dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as the milk, or as milk, and curdled me like cheese? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. And these things hast thou hid in thine heart. I know that this is with thee. If I sin, then thou markest me, and thou wilt not acquit me from mine iniquity. If I be wicked, woe unto me, and if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. I am full of confusion. This is the statement that really stuck out to me in this passage. I am full of confusion. Job's just crying out here, I don't know what's going on. Therefore see thou mine affliction. For it increasest, thou huntest me as a fierce lion, and against thou showest thyself marvelous upon me. Thou renewest thy witnesses against me, and increaseth thine indignation upon me. Changes in war are against me. Wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I had, been, that I had given up the ghost, and no eye had seen me. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave." Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone, that I may comfort, may take comfort a little. Before I go whence, I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death. A land of darkness as darkness itself, and of the shadow of death without any order, and where the light is as darkness. Job is despondent and questioning God here, and I, 
I want to look at these things, and then I want us to compare this story to another story in the Bible. I'm not... I want to be careful in that I'm not just setting out to condemn Job. I believe he's wrong in what he's saying here. He, he He is... Always keep it in context under great agony and in great sorrow. But he's challenging God in this passage. And so um, I, I want to I look at this and then I want to go into the New Testament and we'll look at another story and compare the two here in just a little bit. Let's have a word of prayer and uh, we'll get into it a little more. Father, thank you once again that we have this, this time to open your word. Thank you for your mercy and grace that allows us this, this time to together seek your face. Lord, guide us as we look into your word. Give me wisdom as I speak. The words I say would be uh, your words today. Lord, that you'd be glorified, that your word will challenge us. Father, as we look at Job and his trial, Father, help us to see that in our trials there are opportunities Lord, if we will live that way, you can, you can use us in a mighty way. Father, guide us tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So, Job says right off the bat, now listen, my soul is weary of my life. I'm tired of it. And, and, I, and I say, I don't, I don't stand up here to condemn Job. I know that we all would be in that circumstance. It would be exceedingly difficult to be... Uh, to be upbeat about anything. Job is despondent here. He says, I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I read this as, you know what, Bildad, you don't understand. My complaint to you falls on deaf ears. It's no good. What's the point? He says, so I'm going to go to God. Now that's the right thing, but his answer to God here, or his questions to God are accusatory. He, he's, he's going and asking these questions um, and saying, don't you understand what I'm going through? Do you know the pain that I'm enduring? He says, is it good, in verse 3, unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thy hands and shine upon the counsel of the wicked? Is this good? Now, we, we, I read this as a sarcastic question. And, and in our trials, we sometimes will look at it that way, right? God is shining upon the wicked. They seem to be doing okay. Why am I suffering over here? Why am I not like they are? Why is this difficult for me? And they're, and they're having a life of ease. He goes through like verse 8 and he says, These things you've done, you've made me, yet you're destroying me. You are, you are almighty, but... Are you inquiring after my iniquity and searching after my sin? Verse 6. That's an interesting one to me. Now, God knew if Job had sin. He didn't have to inquire after it. If, if he's showing Job his sin, that would be one thing, but we know that that's not true either. Job is being tested and tried, so he will learn to trust more in God, but he doesn't see it yet. And he says down there in verse 15, in this, this statement, I am full of confusion, just sticks out to me. He lays out his complaint, and then he says, listen, I, I don't understand. 
Why am I here? Why, why is this happening to me? And I believe we can all come to these points in our life. I, I'm, I'm sure the Lord will bring us all to this point at some, some time. Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this? Therefore, see thou my affliction. Look upon me again, Lord. You see how bad this is? Like God needed reminded. God knows where Job is. And what God is doing is right for Job. Our sufferings, uh, he says, I'm full of confusion. Why? And then he says through the rest of the chapter, in this pain, just let me die. It'd be better if I'd never been born. Job goes through this a lot. He keeps saying this over and over in this. <laughs> if you'd have just taken me from the womb to the grave, it would have been better. In this pain. I was looking at this and I was considering so many times we view our own suffering as cause for sin or for anger, for bitterness or for despair. The circumstances that we're in, and I don't know your circumstances this week, I don't know your circumstances coming up, but they can never be an excuse for sin. It was a month or two ago that I, that I was that I preached on this same thought somewhat, that so many times we, we say, well, I don't feel very good, or I didn't sleep very good last night. Maybe it's something as frivolous as, I didn't have my coffee this morning. So I can be sarcastic and angry and, and harsh, because my circumstances are not ideal right now. If it was better, I would treat you better. But don't come to me before I wake up fully, or before I've had my coffee in the morning. We, we look at life that way, and we say, my actions are excused by my circumstances. Job, Job was excusing his anger by his circumstances. We give ourselves this excuse when times are rough. I was, I was looking at this, and I was considering in my own life when I do that. What is it? What is it when I act that way? Is it not just come back to selfishness and pride? I gripe about millennials. All right. And what's the next generation? Gen Z? Is it Gen Z? Whatever those terms are. We say they're so entitled. And they are, right? Young people in America think they're entitled to everything. But as a Christian, I feel that way myself so many times. I think I'm entitled to something. And so if I don't get it, then I can react in anger, retaliatory. I can, be, I can be somewhat harsh. I can excuse that reaction because things were not quite ideal for this entitled, spoiled person over here. Job's going through this suffering and he's saying, I, I'm full of confusion. I don't understand it. It's not fair. It's not fair. From the outside, it doesn't look fair. But we know that God was leading in Job's life. Go with me to Acts 16. Acts 16, a very familiar story you probably learned in Sunday school. If you grew up in church, you learned this story in Sunday school. 23 through 34.
story of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail, jailer. And I, I want to start up in verse 23. It says, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Sometimes I skip over that part. I, I don't look at that. The Bible says after laying, they were, had many stripes laid upon them. We know what the Romans did. They had the cat of nine tails. They had brutal weapons to punish you with. So when it says they had laid many stripes upon them, they were probably cut up really bad. Their backs were probably torn up. At the very least, they had severe bruising and and many times they had broken ribs. Ever had a broken rib? It's not the most painful thing in the world, but it is difficult Everything hurts if you sneeze, laugh, if you try to sit down too fast. It hurts. I, I, I see Paul and Silas here in some real pain. After having many stripes laid upon them, they're thrown into prison. Now, was it just? It wasn't right. They had committed no crime. They, they were thrown into prison... And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now this guy roughly treats them. We know the German, I mean the Roman, (laughs) German prisoners, the, the Roman jailers were not a kind people. They had a nasty job and they were nasty folks. I, I, we see the videos, and I, and I picture it this, this way. Kick them in the back down the stairs. Down into the hole, and then slam the, the shackles over their ankles and just tighten it down. They're in, they're in this, this hole in the ground with the rats, and, and it's cold and wet, damp and just miserable, and in severe pain. What would I do in that circumstance? What would I be doing down there in the, in the ground? Probably feeling pretty sorry for myself. Thinking, I didn't deserve this. I have my rights. How dare they do this to me? And I'm going to be asking God, I'm full of confusion. Why am I here? What is the point? Yet at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I love that statement. And the prisoners heard them. They probably thought these two have lost their minds. But as time goes on there in the prison, they see there's something different. They're praying and singing. They're talking about God and they're praising Him in the midst of this just miserable circumstance. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Now that always stood out to me in this story as well. The prison keeper, he knows that if a prisoner escapes, he's going to get executed. 
probably severely punished and executed. So he's going to save himself some of that and just die right now. And Paul says, wait a second. He didn't say the two of us are here. He said we're all here. And I've always wondered, how did every prisoner stay in the prison? I don't know how many were there. But how did they all stay? Well, either they've, they, they want to hear more from Paul and Silas, or God kept their shackles tight. One of the two, God worked to work in their lives for the prisoner. It's an amazing thing to me. But we're all here. Do thyself no harm. We're all here. And then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And, they, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. What, a, what an end to the story. So Paul and Silas kicked down into the dungeon. Their feet made, their feet, their feet made fast in the stocks. Their backs are beat bloody and, and bruised. They are in pain. They are miserable in their circumstances, yet they look around and they trusted in God. And they start praying and singing. And a couple hours later, they're sitting in the prisoner's house. The entire family has gotten saved. The prisoner has taken them and cleaned their wounds and set them down to a meal. Now, Paul and Silas had no idea that was what was coming. What if they had been there? In their mind, they're there for as long as the, the Roman government decides. They're there indefinitely. And yet they're pra- praising the Lord, and He uses that. I've always wondered how many other prisoners got saved as they listened to Paul and Silas. There had to have been others. But they looked at their circumstances and they said, God is in control. And in my misery, I'm going to sing and praise the name of the Lord and lift up His name. And the whole house got saved. I've also wondered, I'd like to ask him someday when I get to heaven, did the prisoner get in trouble? The jailer, did he get in trouble for taking him out? I always wondered that. That's just my own musings. It doesn't say anything. If they'd escaped, he'd have died. But he took them out of the prison and took them to his house. Anyway, (laughs) it doesn't matter. One way or another, we know that Paul and Silas were mightily used by God in their difficult, in their circumstances that were hopeless looking. What are we going to do when we come to the point in our life that we say, I am full of confusion? I am despondent. I'm ready for my life to be over. This misery is so intense. It would be better if you'd have just taken me from the womb and put me in the grave. 
What are we going to do? Are we going to sit and accuse God? I wonder what Job could have done if he just simply just rejoiced in the Lord. When it first happened, what did he do? He rent his clothes and he worshipped God. He was in deep sorrow, but he worshipped God. Now as time has gone on, his circumstances have not improved, and he's starting to question the Lord. He's bringing these accusations. I was just considering, that's my challenge tonight. What do I do when I'm full of confusion? Paul and Silas didn't know what was going on. They didn't know how long it was going to be. And God mightily used them in their trial. We have opportunities in our times of trial that we will never have otherwise. What a testimony it is to people when they see us walking with God in the times of struggle. When things go wrong. I'll use my folks as a testimony. When their house burned earlier this year, it was an immediate testimony to the folks around them. They weren't, they weren't angry or despondent or scared. They just said, okay, God, you've done this for a reason. And their neighbor, I gave the testimony of their neighbor, said, why aren't you crying? Why aren't you, well, how can you smile in this time? Ask him that question. And they said, because God's in control of this. He has an answer and he will provide for us. We trust in him. Job had that opportunity Paul and Silas used that opportunity and God used them to win people to the Lord. What will we do when it comes to I am full of confusion? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for our time tonight. Use this short message, Lord, just to strengthen us. Father, to, to help us consider our faith in you. Father, is it strong? If it's not, Lord, help us to to seek you and, and ask you, Lord, this week to increase our faith, that we would grow in our, in our dependence on you, in our complete um, reliance on you. Father, that this week we will, we will um, not walk according to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. Father, help us to be a witness. Help us to see the opportunities you give us in these times of difficulty to be a light, to win someone to Christ. Father, thank you for the visitors we had this morning. I ask that you would just guide them and, and, and work in their heart and life. I think of Cujo, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity of meeting him. We're working this young man's life. We know that you died for him. We know that you love him unconditionally today. Guide us, Lord, in this week. Use us, Father, to glorify your name. In Christ's name we pray, amen.